But, you know, it's so cool. One of the things that's been so encouraging, I, was, I, I didn't finish this story, and I started to share it last night, that I was meeting with these pastors in L.A. before uh, flying here. And uh, when, I, when we, we sat down to eat dinner, these guys had been a part of this church that had been a real seeker church for a long time. And, and, and two of them were these home group leaders. And while they were leading their uh, home group, all of a sudden, uh, a couple of people began to, as they were just praying for them one night for discouragement, they got baptized in the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues. And then they started praying for other people and they started speaking in tongues and then a couple of people get healed and it started, all of a sudden it started stirring this sort of hunger and this sort of awakening sort of, and it sounds like the you know, early formation stuff of like the vineyard with, you know, Carl Tuttle leading worship and John Wimber and Carol leading this Bible study. And all of a sudden it just started sort of sweeping through. Well, the pastor uh, very lovingly invited them to leave the church uh, because he didn't want that, uh, that the church go in that direction. So they went and they planted this other church. Uh, of course, with his great blessing, <laughs> he wanted them to go do that. And so they went and they planted this other church. And while they were there, uh, as they planted this church, they, were, they had no clue about any of this stuff, and they just started experiencing more and more things. And so uh, a good friend of mine, Don Williams, who's a real sort of uh, vineyard theologian, uh, he said, hey, would you, when you come back out here, he goes, would you meet with these guys? They've just started this church plant. It's only been going about a year and a half. And then I get a call from Bob Fulton and said, hey, I got these guys talking about the same people. And so uh, I went out and I sat down with them and met with them and just showed them a few things, talked with a, a small group about healing. And then we, uh, they, they, I was flying back through heading here and I said, hey, I, I'm flying back through. Do you guys just want to meet, grab a bite? And if you've got any questions, you can ask questions. And they said, absolutely. And so uh, they both came to the airport, met me at LAX, and we went for a bite to eat. And they were like, you know, we're just not sure about how to take this. You know, they said, we think in your context in Chicago, this works easier. But our context here in L.A., people aren't open to this. You know, and getting them where we get some people to let us pray for them, but we can't get them to really embrace Christ. And it's just a harder area. Now, let me tell you something. I've heard that same phrase all over the world. Everybody thinks their area is harder than anybody else's. And the reality is it's all hard areas, you know. And so I looked at these guys. I said, yeah, I said, this probably is really hard. It probably, I said, let's put that to the test right now. And they were like, what do you mean? And so our waitress came over and I said, hey, we were just talking about how God speaks to people. I said, we're going to stop right now. Ask the Lord to show us something for you. And the, the pastor, the guy, the senior pastor, and he's like 29 years old. He looks at me and he goes, Thanks for the warning. And I said, well, we're just going to give a word. Whatever comes to our minds, we're just going to give a word. And so they sat there for a couple of minutes just looking at her, and she's looking back very uncomfortable. And then finally I said, you know, i got to break this. And so I looked at her. I said, do you have a brother? And she goes, well, I have two brothers. And I said, is one of your brothers going through, you know, a struggle? He's had some breakups in his relationships, and he's had these wounds that have happened. And, so, and I, I share this stuff. And she looks and she goes, yeah. She goes, actually, that's both of my brothers. They've actually both been going through that. And I said, well, one of them's really had a hard time finding a job. I said, is that right? And he can't. And she said, yeah, yeah. And it, yet she was really kind of flat. Like she was like, yeah, yeah. You know, it was there was like no enthusiasm and anything they're saying. And so I looked and I said, well, guys, I said, do you guys have anything for her? And so uh, the, the main guy, uh, his name is Darren. He looks and he goes, I'm probably way off, and this is probably so wrong, and this is probably means nothing to you. He looks at her and he goes, but by chance, has your mother just had some recent serious health issues and you're really scared for your mom? And she just stops and looks and he goes, I knew it was wrong, I'm so sorry, I knew that was totally wrong. And she goes, two weeks ago my mother had a heart attack and nearly died. And she goes, I have had the hardest time with that and just feeling like that none of this, you know, that, that, that she was going to die and leave me alone. She goes, I'm terrified. And, and he was like, that was right? Are you serious? That was right? And she goes, yeah, no, really. She goes, wait a minute, I thought you guys heard from God. And he's like, yeah, well, yeah, we do, I think. I'm still trying to figure, you know. And so it was just this sort of, you know what? It, it, was, it was imperfect, which made it perfect. Absolutely perfect. And so I finally stopped and I looked at her. And I said, matter of fact, I said, I, I just really sense you've been having a hard time sleeping. And I said, you're just working. And, and I, I said, do you go to school? And she goes, yeah. 
And I said, um, I said and, and just working, she goes, I work two jobs, I hardly ever sleep, part of the worry stuff with my mom. I, I said, well, you're going to have the best night's sleep. I said, now look, I said, Jesus just showed you how much he knows you and cares about you. I said, would you like to give your life to Jesus? And she goes, you know, last night, the most flat look in her eyes, no enthusiasm, no emotion. So she goes, last night I told my boyfriend, it's all a lie. Jesus isn't real. It's all just a big lie. And that it doesn't work and that he's not there and it's all a lie. And she goes, so yes, I would like to give my life to Jesus. <laughs> and so they were like, whoa, 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 what? And I was like, great. I said, can we pray right now? And she goes, how does that work? And I said, well, let me explain. I just talked to her about it. And I said, all right, these guys are going to follow up with you. I said, now, they're in Long Beach. I don't know how far that is from you. And she goes, I live in Long Beach. And I'm like, ah, isn't that funny how that works out? You know? And so she prays right there, gives her life to Christ. They get her details. Around. She walks away from the table, and they were like, what? What? No way. That just... And they were just bouncing off the wall. I mean... She was showing no enthusiasm whatsoever, but they were going crazy. And then she walks back over to the table to refill our drinks, and she goes, all my terror is gone. She goes, as soon as I walked away from here, I began to realize I'm walking lighter. She goes, what is that? And I was like, Jesus freed you. And she goes, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And she goes back. Each time she would come back, you know what? I've realized I've had anger for years. I don't have that anger. It, with each time she refilled our drinks... It was one more report of something else that's happened. Now, guys, let me tell you something. Honestly, there was no... There, I didn't have a word of knowledge about that. I didn't even have a word about her brothers when she stepped up. But just stepping out, stepping out. And we're so afraid that we're not going to have anything. Or, but there is a hunger in our society. And with as much opposition as there against so much of what we bring, that shows you the greater level of desperation that is there. Let me tell you something. It is, it is so true. And I know you guys, if you've heard me before, you've heard that drum being beat before. And so I want to encourage you with that. And, and just, and I, I started to share that story last night and didn't complete it, so I wanted to share it. As Kurt mentioned, and I want to, because I want to give this away, we've got the movies Holy Ghost Reborn, but I felt like this morning, is there, is there a single mom in here with teenagers that you are at least a teenager and you're really, you know, you really think they would really need to see this. You're pointing to Tim. He's not a single mom. Sarah, I think that's a for you, for me gift by doing that. Yeah, would you, would you come up here? Let me, let me give this to you. I just felt, I really felt like that I was there with somebody. I feel like that's going to be a real blessing for you. Bless you. Okay? Bless you. Bless you. And if I could just share just a couple of things. One of my latest DVD teachings is Identity Thief. This is going to be the title of my next book that's coming out in two weeks. But the, the, um, the, pr the premise of this is Satan, of course, is the identity thief. Now, here's the deal. It's the worst form of identity theft. You know what identity thief is? It's somebody that takes your information and operates as if they're you. They take your credit information. They take your government information. They operate as if you. Satan takes it a step further. He then convinces you you're somebody other than who you really are. That's how his works. But this is a teaching that's really been talking about how to expose that, all the feelings of fear that we have. None of that's your fear. If it's to do the things that Jesus says you can do, that's all the, that's all the fiery darts of the enemy that he's throwing at you. And we break that down. And then uh, Kurt was actually at this uh, meeting, but uh, Randy Clark and I did uh, Equipping the Saints too. This was a year and a half ago. And a lot of people were saying it was one of the most powerful uh, vineyard meetings uh, that we've had like in, in the U.S. for a long time. And it was really, really powerful. The Spirit of God was really moving there. And a matter of fact, on, on, uh, Randy and I do Empower to Heal back there. Kurt is actually comes up and helps do some of the healing uh, with me uh, in that. And that was a real joy. We also have these little jump drives that have all the video teachings. And then there's another one with all the audio teachings on there. And they're like a third of the cost of the other. And then my book, I don't remember if I had my book when I was here last time. I don't think I did. So Do What Jesus Did is back there. And the premise of the book is Jesus didn't just come to show us what he could do as the son of God. He came to show us what we could do. So everything Jesus was doing was to create a map 
for what we could do. And then we also have the, the small group guide for that, which you can do yourself or you can do with others, but this is a 10-week, it goes with the book, and it just gives activations every week of how to step out and you know do the things that we're talking about in the book. So anyway, so those are just some resources for you if that's helpful to you. And you know, one of the things that I really love to do, I, I oh, by the way, the foreword of the book, uh, I asked a friend of mine who's trying to get a writing career started um, to write the foreword for the book because I was just trying to help him out. Um, and so I asked Bill Johnson to write the foreword for the <laughs> Just want to give a brother a leg up, you know? <laughs> needed my help. He called. No, he didn't. I called and begged, please. Anyway, um, I, I have so many different things I want to share with you guys, but... Uh, uh, first, let, let me just start off, just, uh, if I could just give some prophetic words to some people, if that's okay. Uh, but uh, this guy here with the blue and white striped shirt. Yeah, what's your name? Murray? Murray, cool, awesome. Uh, Murray, I just, when I just look back at you, I just felt like there was this, uh, a, a, like God opening a whole new door for you. Uh, just something that's opening up. There's like some things closed, and that sort of frustrated you, and it, f- it felt like something that, that was... Uh, that you wanted or wanted to experience wanted, but it sort of slammed shut and it really hurt. It really fr- it was frustrating and disappointing. And I heard the Lord say, don't be disappointed because beside that is like a double doors. God's opening up double doors where there was one door that was closed. There's double doors that's opening up. I just feel like, I don't know what you do work-wise or anything, but I just feel like God's really going to be promoting you and just sort of bringing you up and giving you. There's a, there's a lot of things that God's put inside of you. And I heard the Lord say that he's inviting you to an experience with him like you've never had before. And that it's just a real, I think that's part of the double doors, but I think that that's also a separate thing as well. But I think it's sort of connected in some ways. But I just really felt like the Lord just saying that he was just really pleased with sort of the tra- trajectory that you're on you know, with him, and that there's just a lot more uh, for you. And I feel like there's just going to be some real visitations in the night. God's going to be really d- just increasing some stuff of his voice and just some real clarity of some things. So anyway, this is r- really pleased. Does that make sense? Don't be nice. Okay. Oh, wow. Wow, praise the Lord. So, Lord, we bless Murray. We just thank you, Lord, just for where, where there's been a shut door, that there's an open door and double doors and just promotion and increase. We thank you, Father. Yeah, and Lord, just lift off any discouragement of any of this the past nine months. Just break that in Jesus' name. Just lavish your love on him and your peace on him in Jesus' name. Thank you for that, Father. Amen. Praise the Lord. Be encouraged with that. This guy back here, you got uh, glasses and a purple sports shirt on. What's your name? Brayden. Uh, Brayden, would you stand up for a minute? Uh, I didn't make Murray stand up, but I'm going to make you stand up. Sorry about that. Uh, Brayden, I, I just really felt, I, I saw this picture of, of like a, a lot of, it's almost like uh, somebody playing a dart game and like throwing darts. And, but but I, I thought it was this wall, but it sort of turned, it, you sort of turned around and it was like these darts hitting your back. And uh, it was like this stuff that was being thrown at you. And, and that it was, um, I felt like there was been some like words that have really sunk into you that were really stuck to you and that you thought were who you were. But I just hear the Lord saying that, that don't, don't believe uh, just all the things that you heard, even from time when you were like younger. Uh, I just like, I don't, I don't know how old you are now, but like 16 comes to mind of at the point of being 16, there were some words and some things. Uh, that were uh, sort of hitting or, or something like that. And I just heard the Lord say, just shake that stuff off. It's not, it's not you. But I felt like, too, there's a real leadership God is building inside of you. And uh, there's some increase of, of some things that God's putting in you. There's been some deep deposits that God's placed inside of you, things that others have invested in you that God is going to begin to draw off of. And I just, I just really felt like there's a real uh, authority coming out of you to really break demonic power off of other people's lives. And that there's going to be a real release and a real freedom that comes. And so I think that's why some of those darts, Braden, have come in the past. Because the enemy is almost like a preemptive strike that was coming against you. But does this make any sense at all? Don't be nice if it doesn't. (laughs) 
But I just really just, I just really sense uh, just a, a real, uh, just, I just saw you just breaking chains off of people and that there's a real uh, liberation God's going to use you to do. And that you, you have more, you have more. The Lord listens to you more than you realize. He wants you to know that he just hears your voice more than you know. And that, uh, that there's a lot there that is deposited inside of you. So, Lord, we just bless him. And I just thank you, Lord, just for uh, just the gift of God that's, that's in him. And thank you for that, Lord. And just pray your blessing on him. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Sarah, would you stand up? She's like, great, thanks. <laughs> you know, I just want to point out that if that was a Chicago hat, it would be more godly. And the Lord would be more pleased with you. Oh, sorry, that was... No. Um, Sarah, I just, when, when I was saying that with him, I just looked at you and I just saw these musical notes around you. I don't know if you're, I don't know if you take any music or anything, but I just really, I didn't, I honestly did not know that. I don't think I've seen a keyboard in your house or anything like that. Is there? Violin and clarinet. And singing. But I just really saw you like writing songs too, and that there's a real, there's a, a lot of writing, there's a lot of things that are that are in you that the Lord's really going to begin to tap, and and just in the future, I just saw you just a real, a real heart of worship sort of uh, coming out, and uh, and just be and be prepared. Don't don't shrink back from you know if they make a spot for you on the worship team, and 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 I'm not talking about the kids or the youth. I'm talking about any here. I'm not. I'm not giving any instruction to that. I'm just saying if they don't, don't fight that because there's something in that that you have to contribute and that God has his hand on your life for. Okay? All right. So Lord, we bless Sarah and just thank you, Lord, just for, and Lord, just stirring up just uh, even an anointing in worship and in music and, and in gifts, Lord. We thank you for that, Father. And Lord, just pray your spirit over her and just fill her up, Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' name, forgive her for that New York hat instead of a Chicago hat. <laughs> Um, and the second row, I, I, I think I, we've met before, right? As, yeah, I knew we had, but I forgot you guys' names, the two of you. What's your names? Dave and Carly. Dave and Carly? Okay. You guys are married? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've gotten that wrong lately, like the past 20,000 times, so I just want to make sure. Uh, Dave and Carly, uh, I, I, I just really felt uh, just the Lord saying that there's been something you've been asking the Lord for. Something that's been really heavy on your heart petitioning for. And I just hear the Lord saying it's coming. And that there's a release for it. It's coming and that it hasn't passed you by. It's not been overlooked, but that it's coming. That's all I got, honestly. And so, Lord, bless them with that in Jesus' name. Just thank you for them. And just, uh, yeah, I just really feel, too, there's a crown of favor on you guys' head. And that God's really going to begin to highlight that for other people to see. All right? So, Lord, we just bless them. Thank you for them. In Jesus' name. And then uh, there's a particular lady I was looking for earlier. And I think you're here unless you had a green and red shirt on. And I missed that. Forgive me for a second. Just sort of play music in your head while I do this. <laughs> oh, yeah, right there. With a purple like tank top you have flower on your head. Yeah. Would you stand up? And what's your name? Rosanna. Rosanna. Cool. Rosanna, I just felt there's a real power and in intercession in you. And I felt like that there's a, the Lord hears you more than you realize. I think I said that to somebody else just a minute ago, but I, that the Lord hears what you have to say. There's a real weight in that. And I felt like there was a real healing coming in some family stuff and that God was really bringing breakthrough and where there was some fractures and even breaks that God is going to begin to do some mending. And I heard, too, the Lord just say that there's been a, uh, there's been a, I, I just saw you, like, at your bed, weeping and just really pouring your heart out to the Lord. And the Lord wants you to know he's heard everything that you've said. And everything that you've, uh, it's almost like each tear has, like, been a seed that's been sown. And the Lord wants you to know that he's heard that. And, and I feel like that the Lord is, is just really uh, turning uh, something that has sort of felt dormant, that he's going to flip that around. There's going to come, and it's going to like spring to life. Uh, something that you thought was just sort of closed off and blocked off, that that's just going to be springing to life. And so I, I just really heard that uh, the Lord wants you to know that. And there's, there's a real power in, in your fervent, effectual prayers. The Lord wants you to know that there's authority that's there, even though you may have not felt that at times, you felt like being, that being depleted, but that's on you. And that uh, as, you, as you sow that in intercession for others outside of your circle, 
God's going to touch those within your circle, even though you may not be petitioning for them. Does that make sense? And it's going to be a sowing and reaping thing, okay? So, Lord, we just pray your blessing on Roxana? Rosanna. On Rosanna, we thank you, Lord, for her and just for your hand on her. And just pray your blessing. And Holy Spirit, just fill her up today with your presence and just lavish your love on her. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool. I had a, I had a, um, one of the things that I love to do is I, I, I take these uh, guys from Iran and I'll bring them to a neighboring country, or, or not neighboring countries, they're not neighboring at all, but I'll bring them to countries that are more third world countries and I'll fly them over and take them out on the streets, show them how to do this stuff, things like that. It's just something that's really dear on my heart. We use, you know, part of our missions budget to do that kind of stuff. And I was in Bolivia and I had flown this uh, couple over that uh, were living in Tehran, and they had been—they uh, had only been Christians for 18 months, but six months before, their pastors were uh, arrested and thrown into prison, and actually ended up being sentenced to this one prison that, if you go to, you're like never heard from again. And so the church turned to them. They'd only been Christians for a year, and they're like, "You're the leaders of the church. We don't have anybody else. It's you." And so they were just like thrown into the fire, you know, of this thing. And, and so uh, I had heard about this couple through other people that I brought over to other countries. I usually would bring them to various places, but I decided to start only bringing them to third world countries because I don't want them to stay. I want them to go back home, you know. And so, you know, like India or Bolivia or someplace where it's not, not desirable for them to stay. And so... Um, we were driving down the road and we had just prayed for these people. We saw this woman whose leg was uh, from the knee to the ankle was bowed. It was like that, like curved that drastically. She couldn't afford to get the surgery to break the bones and straighten them up. And so, uh, and then we were having to have three-way translation. So uh, they only spoke, or he only, he's the only one who spoke English. So they had Farsi and then English. And then they were ha- she was speaking in Farsi, he was speaking in English, which was being spoken in Spanish to the woman. So we had this three-way circle of translation. But as they're praying, you could hear this like pop, pop, pop. And these bones, like, like, it sounded like they were breaking and popping back. And you could see the legs straightening up, like right, right in front of our eyes. And, uh, and, and then, of course, I, I kept asking the lady, does this hurt? You know, she looked at, I think she was in her 60s or so, and I said, does this hurt? And she goes, no. She goes, actually, it feels like relief because all the pressure and everything, it feels like relief is happening. And so we had her get up and check, and she starts trotting around in a circle, and it was just this amazing thing. And then at the end of it, we were driving back, and as we were going back to the place we were staying... Uh, as we were driving back, this couple, they began to cry. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There is revival happening in Iran right now. Uh, and, and, I mean, the Lord is, is doing things. These guys tell me stories as they come that are crazy, crazy stories. I'll be in Chile in, uh, um, next month, and I've got another couple from Iran flying there. Uh, to, to come and to just take them out, show them how to do this stuff, because my profile's too high to be able to go to. I've been to Iran before, but I couldn't go, I couldn't go uh, again with that type of thing. And so, so, we're, so we're taking them out, and, and we're, as we're driving back, or, or, oh, I didn't, I didn't finish telling you that, but Jesus is appearing to people, not in dreams, not in visions, by himself on the street, Walking up to them and saying, I'm Jesus, I want a relationship with you. If you saw the movie last night with Ali, that was more of like a vision type thing, you know, at Mecca. But these stories are Jesus just walking up and saying, I'm Jesus, I want you to follow. And he'll lead them and walk them into a church, leave them there, and they end up, you know, giving their lives. I mean, crazy. I've heard so many of these stories now that are just crazy, crazy stories. And yet... These pastors, as they tell them they're weeping, and I'm excited because I'm like, well, you're weeping for joy, right? And they're like, no, he's having to do our job for us because we're too cautious. In a nation, one of the most closed nations in the entire world, they're like, because we're, we're, we're being too cautious. We're playing it too safe. And so we were driving back, and as we were driving back, this couple was weeping, 
And I looked back and I said, man, I said, are you grieving because you realize that you don't have the kind of freedom that we're having here, you know, in Bolivia that you would have in Iran? And they said, no. They said, we're, we're weeping for the church, for the church in the free world, because you can do this every day of your life. Why aren't you? And I was like, ooh, you're grieving for us. You're not grieving your loss, you're grieving our loss. And guys, it hit me hard. And of course, with that, I started weeping. And I was like, that's right. You know, we're, we, we have gotten into this thing of playing it safe. Now, here's the thing. Is, is, and they told me, they said, we're going to commit to pray for the whole church in the free world to begin to start stepping out and doing more of this. Now, those guys have gone back and just seen an explosion of things happening. I mean, God is just doing, you know, amazing things. They're constantly being watched. They're constantly under threat. And they don't care. They don't care. And so I, I want, with that in mind, I want to share something with you. This is not going to sound like that this matches up, but I want you to hear it by the Spirit. And I, I okay, so you don't attribute the time that just had, let's like count that as a part of the ministry time, and this is the preaching time now. Will you, get, will you give me that grace to do that? <laughs> okay, just give me, that, give me that little bit of grace to do that. I want you to turn with me to 1 Kings 17. And I shared something similar with you last time, but I want to punctuate this because I feel like the Lord sort of wants to build on this. And here's the thing. We always, we, we stop and think, well, I don't do this because I don't have enough. I don't do this because I don't have enough to give. I don't have enough to bring. I don't, I, I, I don't have enough in who I am. And so, you know, I, I, I have so many people who would be like, you know, Man, I just really feel like the Lord wants to heal that person over there. So would you go over there and pray for them? And I'm like, I'm sorry, if you're feeling the Lord wants to heal them, that's your assignment, not my assignment. I've already got my list of people in here that I want to pray for. You know, but we always think that it's going to be that person or whatever because we don't think we have enough. Right? Does that make sense? And so, I want, but I want to take a look at this passage again. And now... Elijah is in a place where he's running for his life. He's running from the most powerful woman in his nation, Jezebel. He's terrified of her. Ahab is a beat-up king, basically, uh, who just follows whatever his wife is saying. She's worshiping prophets of Baal, or she's worshiping Baal. She's in this other sort of uh, sector. And, I, and one of the things I love to look at is, is the dynamic of the relationship between Elijah and Ahab. Because Ahab has always seen God speak and work through Elijah in powerful ways, but Elijah really can't stand him. And so he's always, there's always this rub, you know, that, a matter of fact, in the, in the next chapter, in 18, when Elijah is approaching Ahab, and he goes, he literally says to him, the way that it translates in the NLT, he goes, Oh, behold the troublemaker of Israel. Now, right before that, there's this guy named Obadiah who sees him, bows to the ground, and refers to it, calls him my Lord. But then, you know, when, it, when Ahab sees him, he looks at him and says, oh, you troublemaker. And how many of you want to be a prophet? <laughs> yeah, there, there's a price in that, you know? There's a price that, that's, that, that you have to be, realize, you know, that, that's there. But here in 17, Elijah's really running for his life. He's exhausted. He's been on the run. And so I want to take a look at sort of the, 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 what God does with him. And so in verse 2 of 17, it says, uh, then, Elijah, then, excuse me, then the Lord spoke to Elijah and said, Go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. He goes, look, I want you to go hide. I want you to go there. I want you to hide. And he says, drink from the brook and eat whatever the ravens bring you. For I have commanded them to bring you food. Now, let me stop there for a minute. And I know I've said this to you guys before, but how many of you, how many of you grew up in church? How many of you remember flannel graph? You remember the blue boards of flannel graph and they'd stick the cartoon characters up and they would stick to the blue board, you know? And flannel graph, I, I remember being in church as a six-year-old boy, six or seven, 
And our teacher putting the flannel graph version of this story up and telling the story. And I remember sitting there. Now, I always see things. People are always like, man, you see weird stuff in Scripture that other people don't see. Not like, oh, you see deep revelation. It's more like you see weird stuff that other people don't see. That's kind of what I get. And so I'm, I'm starting to look at this. And so I want you to hear this from the perspective. Listen to what it says. God says, I want you to go hide out by Kareth Brook. Go park there. Drink from the water there. Chill there. Now, you, you know, you people in Australia, are, I think, are far more campers than we are in the United States even. But I mean, how many of you, does that sound like a good gig to? Sounds like a good thing. I'd like to go. Okay. I'm going to have you go to this ravine and where water flows. And it's going to be at least sort of clean water. You're going to drink from the water. You know, you can take a bath there if you will. For you guys, that's optional. But you're going to go there. You're going to have a place where you get some cool water. You're just going to chill. You're going to rest. You're going to get refreshed. And I'm going to instruct wild animals to feed you. I'm sorry, does that sound strange to anybody? See, the problem is, is we've heard scripture so much, we've heard the story so much, we, we, we forget to be surprised by these stories. This is a weird word, my friends. It's a weird, I'm going to, what comes to mind when you hear, I'm going to instruct ravens to bring you food to eat. What comes to mind when you hear that? Roadkill, who said that? Yes, roadkill. Roadkill. Smelly roadkill. I mean, has anybody, anybody ever thought about this? I'm going to have animals come and bring you food. This is a weird word. This doesn't make any sense. And you're going to eat whatever. Now, as a little kid, six or seven years old, I raised my hand, and we didn't have the phrase roadkill back then. But we had, you know, dead animals from the middle of the road. And I was like, I'm thinking that's like dead animal. And my, my Sunday school teacher was like, Robbie, why do you always say stuff? That's disgusting. Don't say that. That's, that's disgusting and nasty. God would not send them to. The, look at the birds in the flannel graph. It's little biscuits. It's not meat. <laughs> oh, yeah? Read on. Drink from the brook and read whatever the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to feed you. That's weird. First of all, have you ever tried to take any food from a wild animal? That's not an easy task to do. You know, we had this rule, you couldn't get around our dog when he was eating from his bowl. He'd bite you. The only time he'd nip at you or bite you is if you reach down by, you know. Every other time he'd just curl up and sweet and nice unless you got near his bowl. Don't mess with his food, you know. And so all of a sudden here he's like, there's, he's saying, I've instructed wild animals, these birds, especially ravens. I mean, to feed you, this is, this is roadkill. And it says, so Elijah did as the Lord told him. I'm sorry, but does this word make sense? No, it doesn't. This is a weird word. If the Lord spoke to you in today's time, go camp by this ravine, chill out there. First of all, none of us would think that's chilling. And drink from the water and eat whatever wild birds bring you to eat. This is weird. Would you just slightly agree with me that that's weird? Okay, five of you, you're the representatives of the whole. Okay? It's a weird word. So Elijah... Elijah did as the Lord told him, and he camped by Kareth Brook. Why? Because God said. God said. Does it make sense? No. But God said. God said to do it. As at the east of the Jordan, and ravens brought him bread and meat. Roadkill. <laughs> See, I was right. I sat in the corner for being right when I was six or seven years old. I want to point that out. But I've let that go in my heart. I'm not bitter about it at all. <laughs> Mrs. Casey is in heaven now, and Jesus is telling her, Robbie was right about the roadkill. <laughs> so I've let it go. 
And the ravens brought him bread. They fed him. They gave it up. Why? Because God said. God said. A word that doesn't make sense, but God said. Now listen, this is a good gig. Who wouldn't want this? Wild animals bringing you food. You're parked by this ravine that's bringing you water. You can hide under a tree where it's cool. I mean, this is a pretty good gig. Who wouldn't want to leave this? I mean, who wouldn't sign up for that? Yeah, I'll do that. I don't have to toil for food. I don't have to work for it. I can just pull up. I'm in. I mean, some of us are like, that's what I want my spiritual life to look like. Right there. You know? It says that the ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening. And he drank from the brook. But after a while... The brook dried up. That's a bummer. You know, finally the water stops flowing. This whole, this whole beautiful thing. Now, who wouldn't want to just sort of be raptured into that place of just off by yourself, alone, not having to deal with troublemaking people, not having to deal with any people, just pulled off by all the introverts are like, ha, 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 as you sort of hear that. You know what I mean? But the brook dries up. Eventually, the ravens start bringing him food. Why? Look at what the Lord says to him. There was no rainfall in the land. It says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. So why did this lovely dream of his have to come to an end? Because God wants us in the community. He doesn't want our spiritual lives just pouring into ourselves, just trying to grow our, our spiritual selves and develop in our just spiritual life. He wants us in the community so that they can have a spiritual life. The only way they're going to know him is Christ in you. And us putting Jesus on display. What were we doing in that restaurant with that waitress? We were putting Jesus on display. We were showing this woman, this is what Jesus looks like, and Jesus loves you. He wants a relationship. This is the night before, telling her boyfriend... I'm done. I don't believe in this. I don't want... She'd never accepted Christ before, but her mother had been trying to get her to go to church. She's like, nah, it's not real. God needs us in the community. He wants us in the community. Doesn't want us just jumping from one conference to the next or one high to the next. He wants us taking what we've encountered in here out there. Okay? And he says, go and live in the village of Zarephath and near the city of Sidon. For I have instructed a widow to feed you. I'm sorry, but does this make more sense? Huh? Does this make more sense than a raven feeding you? Yes! It makes sense that God would speak to a human being and they would follow what God said, right? Perfect! Oh, finally, something that makes sense, Lord. I can do that. Why? Because, of course, the human being is going to do what God says. It makes perfect sense. The raven thing, oh, that was just weird. Why did you do that? You know, but, but you know, the, the, the widow, now that, that makes sense. I know she'll do it. This, so he's probably a little bit excited. Okay, you know, I didn't have that, you know, weird raven looking at me, staring at me while I was eating again. You know, the widow hopefully won't do that. You know, because why? God spoke to her. She's going to do what God said. So he went to Zarephath and he arrived at the gates of the village and he saw a widow. Now, who did God say that he was going to have feed him? A widow. Sorry, this is interactive. Help me out, if you would. She's gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water and a cup? Small request. As she was going to get it, he called out to... Now, how did, first of all, how does he know she's a widow? I, I, I don't know. But would she have a W monogrammed on her cloak? Or would she have a different color of cloak? And he's like, oh, there's a widow's cloak. She must be a widow. Somehow Elijah identifies her as a widow, so he approaches her, okay? And so I, I imagine him walking up and, you know, saying, hey, would you give me a drink? She goes to get it. He's like, yeah, would you bring me? And he goes on and he says, would you bring me a bite of bread too? Why is he asking this? Because God said he had instructed a widow to feed him. So all this makes sense, right? But she said, I swear by the Lord your God. Elijah, I swear by the Lord your God. Let me tell you something. That phrase shows you how bad of shape this woman's in. She's in bad shape. I swear by the Lord your God, Elijah. In other words, he's not my God anymore. 
He's not taking care of me, but Elijah, I believe he'll take care of you. But he's not my God. He's your God. I swear by the Lord, your God. This lady's in bad shape. This lady's in desperate shape. She goes, I swear, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. She said, I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. Then my son, we're going to eat it and we will die. How's that for a life plan? <laughs> I only have enough to make, one of the passages says, enough to make two little biscuits. I was going to make these two little biscuits, then me and my son were going to find a hole to crawl in, and we're just going to crawl in that hole and rot and die there. Now, what I love how Elijah responds next is so pastoral of Elijah. You see his tender-hearted... Elijah immediately says, I'm so sorry. The father spoke to me. That he had instructed a widow to feed me. Clearly, you are not that widow. There must be another widow in this village, and I've stumbled across and asked the wrong widow. I'm so sorry. You obviously do not have enough. I was wrong. Would you please, would you go get your Rolodex of widows in this town? And bring it to me so I can look through and ask the other widows which one God spoke to. Because I've obviously approached the wrong widow here. Is that what Elijah does? That's what a normal person would do. I mean, how many of us have gotten a word and all of a sudden we get to the place and the word doesn't match up? The person's like, no, that's not me. No, that's not... And we're like, sorry, <laughs> run away. Elijah looks at her and he says, listen, you go do exactly what you said. You can read it if you want. You go do exactly what you said. And as you, this is his pastoral compassionate side. He says, you break those two little biscuits. And right as you and your son are bringing those little biscuits to your tight, gaunt cheeks, and you're smelling the warmth of that nice hot bread, your last meal. As you're bringing it to your mouth and you begin to salivate to taste something you haven't tasted in a long time, right as it's about to enter your lips, right before you take a bite, bring it to me so I can eat it instead. Don't you feel warmth towards Elijah right now? What name comes to mind as you hear Elijah say this? Jerk! Elijah's a big jerk! Now, I know none of you guys have thought that because you're just way more spiritual than I am. You would never think that of a prophet, or, you know. But he's being a big, yeah, right before you, yeah, right before, you know, you, bring it to me so I can eat it instead. I'll let you and your kid watch. This is like a big jerk. Why is he saying this? Say it again. God said. Elijah doesn't seem to be listening to what the woman said. He doesn't seem to be paying attention to what the circumstances say. He seems to be just be listening to what God says. She's like, we don't have enough. Now, Elijah says, go break it and bring it to me. Now, let me tell you something. The biggest miracle of this story is she actually does it. She actually goes and makes the bread. Now, let me tell you, I, I don't think she did it with a smile. I don't think, I think she's over there. You call yourself a prophet of God. See if the Lord shows you that, man of God. <laughs> she makes it, she breaks it, and she brings it to Elijah. And Elijah's sitting there. Can you imagine this picture? Eating this bread and, oh, Oh, now let me tell you something. If this lady was from this town where I planted my church, she would kill Elijah and eat Elijah. <laughs> That's what would happen. The biggest miracle is that she actually follows through and does. Elijah would be on a spit in her backyard, and she would be going, 
he was a really good prophet. Mmm, a really good prophet. He's going to taste really good with those two little biscuits that we just baked. She would be, you know, eating him. She actually does it. She comes and he's sitting there and he's like, oh, you are really good at this. It's going to be sad for you to crawl in that hole and die, you and your son. This is so, and I can just picture the kid and her going. <laughs> with every bite he takes. <laughs> you know, drool coming down their mouth. You know, and then he looks at her. Why? Why is Elijah doing this? God said. God said. And then he looks at her and he says, hey, now you go make some for you and your son. I think she looks at him and says, I'm sorry. What do you not understand? About that was it. What you're eating is the last of everything that we had. You are, you are just consuming every bit of it. You see, there is no more flour. There's another handful of flour. But we poured out all the oil. There's more oil. The Bible says every time they go back to that pitcher of oil and that jar of flour, there's always enough. There's always enough. And we're constantly saying, Lord, I don't have enough. And God's saying, will you just give me what you've got? Now, here's the deal. Here's the question. Was this miracle that happened, was it a result of Elijah? Was it provision for Elijah or was it provision for the widow? I believe it was provision for the widow. But God couldn't provide for her until she gave him what he had, what she had. Until she presented the last handful. Now, we're always saying, Lord, if you'll fill it up, I'll give it. Lord, if you'll fill up the jar, if you'll fill up the jug, I'll give it. If you'll fill, only then do I have enough. And God's saying, I can't multiply until you give me what you got. I can't multiply what you've got until you give it. But Lord, it's my last hand. If I give this to you, there's nothing else. And God's like, that's all I need. Why? Because God said. Elijah doesn't seem to trust the circumstances or the word of the widow, but he trusts what the Father says, what the word of the Lord says, even when it doesn't make sense. Now notice this, the birds don't seem to have a problem with bringing what they've got. It's the human that does. We're always saying, God, you've got to make sense in order for me to do this. I learned a long time ago, God doesn't know what to me to make sense at all. But I owe him everything. I owe him everything. But I don't have enough faith to go pray for my neighbor who mocks me and laughs at me for being a Christian. I don't have enough faith to pray for the friend at school who's telling me I'm crazy and that I'm just off my way. I don't have enough faith or I've been threatened with my job. You're going to lose your job if you keep praying for people. Who's God? My boss? Who's God? Who's the source of my provision? I mean, guys, we're, we're either going to go all in with this or we're just going to stand back and watch other people go in. We're just going to watch people on movies. That's, that's not good enough. That's not what you are born for. You are made for so much more. You are made to spend yourself, every bit of yourself, for the sake of the kingdom. Every bit of who you are, you are meant to spend that. And that includes your reputation. That includes everything you are. Will we reach in the barrel? When there's nothing there, she's reaching in knowing she had grabbed the last handful the last time, but she knows each time, now 20, 30 times, she keeps reaching in and grabbing more. Why? Because God said, not what circumstances say. Not what circumstances say. Satan has tried to rob your joy. Your pastor said it earlier. 
I had that word this morning. There's been some of you that have been in such demonic attack. When I woke up, we had a conversation on the way here about some of that, but I had it this morning. Some of you have been under so much demonic attack, and you're looking at your circumstances, and the Lord says, stop doing it. Listen to what I say and not what your circumstances say, because you were not made to live by circumstances. You were made to live by the voice of God. If you have a need, you plant. If you have a need, you give. If you, guys, this applies to money. This applies to time. This applies to finances. This applies to every part of your life. And are we going to listen to what the Lord says? Are we going to follow what he says? Are we going to look at the circumstances and judge by that? You were born to live in this reckless abandonment of all that God is, and he alone is your source. That's what you were made to live in. Don't settle for anything else. Don't yield to another master. Don't yield to another one. I pray you hear this by the Spirit of God. I pray you hear it by the Spirit of the Lord. Shake off your grave clothes. Shake off your clothes of mourning. Shake off that. At the time of where you feel the least, that's the time to dance. That's the time to celebrate. That's the time to go all in, to just throw all and say, Lord, all of it's yours. But you don't understand what I've been going through. That's making circumstances, Lord. Your circumstances aren't Lord. Will you reach in the barrel? Will you reach in the barrel? Will you reach in when there's nothing there? Will you reach in and you're like, you don't understand. I saw the last. You don't understand. I don't have any. The last word I gave, I failed miserably. Let me tell you something. All the results are for him. None of them are for me. If I require the results meet my expectations, it says I am Lord and not him. And that's not how it works. Father, I pray that we hear this by the voice of your spirit. This is not a rebuke. This is an invitation. This is a provocation. Spend yourself. What's the last of what you had? Spend it. Holy Spirit, let that grip our hearts. Let that ruin us. Let's get our eyes off our circumstances and what we don't have or what we are lacking and into what, who you are, who you have, and what you're saying. But the Lord said, let that seize us. Let that ruin.